Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Welcome to our visitors. We're so glad you're here today. We had a youth rally on Friday night, and Brother Cordell is going to come and tell you the results of our great youth rally. Praise the Lord. I just wanted to share an awesome testimony with you with our young people. I know that you are praying for them and that you are fasting for them. We went down to uh, Pentecostals of Wisconsin in West Dallas on Friday night, uh, Brother Don Rogers Church. And I want to tell you, if you have not heard the message coming through from God, from each of these ministers we've had in the last several weeks, to be here to be here. When church is open, be here. When something's going on, be here. If you haven't heard that message, hear it today. Because we took a small group of young people, some had to work and there were other obligations. We took a small group of young people down and had one of the most powerful youth services I have ever been a part of in my life. Every single one of the young people that were present there that night had an absolute blowout pray through experience, refilled themselves with the Holy Ghost and worshiped and prayed. And I'll tell you something, there's something humbling for a youth leader when you're there and there's 200 young people worshiping and your group is standing up at the front of that altar and you look over and and tears just pouring from their eyes as God is just blessing them and blessing them and blessing them. And, uh, And they blessed me and it was a tremendous service and I'm so proud of them. Please continue to pray for the young people and encourage young people to be here. We have every other Friday night, we have Bible study and corporate prayer together. We have Elevate rallies coming up at other churches once a month. And, uh, you know, if we show up, God's going to show up. You know, if the doors are open and and we're worshiping together, God's going to do something. And we have to come expecting every single time that he's going to do something explosive. We are apostolics. This is Pentecost. And we need to come expecting the power to fall. And it sure did on Friday night. So please continue to pray for him. Thank you. Praise God. Let's stand in honor of God's word. Really grateful for that report, Brother Cordell, and for our young people. Matthew chapter 4. I have preached this message six times this week, so I'm hoping it'll be best on the seventh. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren called Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father, and they followed him. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. Is Jesus calling you out? Is Jesus calling you out? God bless you. You may be seated. To look at this passage of scripture at face value should startle some people. A man you have never met before walks up to you and says, stop doing what you're doing. 
and start doing what I'm doing. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And in a moment, there's no, well, wait a minute, I, I need to talk this over with my wife. I need to talk this over with my parents. I need to give two weeks notice. I need to see if I can sell my boat, my business. None of that happens. It's amazing that they are so willing to stop everything they're doing and follow this man that they've never met before. But when the Spirit of God comes to your life, when you have an encounter in the presence of the Lord, and God says, hey, I got a plan. Do you wanna be a part of it? Are you willing to follow me? Because I'm calling you out. We get to make the same choice. Now, unlike these disciples, we take more time. We're more calculated. We're more philosophical. We count the cost more than apparently these four guys did. It takes us a long time to become obedient and to become disciples. But if the Spirit of God moves, if God speaks to people, do you know why our visitors are here today? Because God brought them here. No man comes to God except the Spirit of God draws them. They heard God call them and say, I want you at Abundant Life on Sunday morning. Thank you for obeying God and being with us today. We appreciate that. Praise God. But I want to tell you another thing about calling people out. Calling people out is a, is a gunfighter's term. The cowboys of the Old West, if they couldn't work out a problem with somebody, if, if the intensity of their disagreement became so great, one might call the other out. I'm calling you out. I'm going to meet you on the street at high noon. Bring one gun and six shots because one of us is going to die today. And when the word goes out that somebody's been called out and that there's going to be a gunfight in the street, everybody comes to watch. Going to be a gunfight today. Somebody's going to die. And these gunfights, I don't know if you've ever watched Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke. The old black and white cowboy. I, I mean, I watch that and, and I see Marshall Dillon there. And he's got his hand by his gun and I look at the guy and I think, man, that guy's a long ways away, Marshall. For a handgun shot, you know, you might need a rifle. Maybe even a scope. Because that's a long ways off. I mean, they didn't get too far away from one another because, you know, you're not all that accurate with a handgun versus a rifle. And, and some people think that the guy that draws the fastest always wins. And that's not always true either. I mean, if you can't hit anything, it doesn't matter how fast you are. Right? So you gotta be, you got to be accurate too. you got to be quick, but you got to be... Accurate, and it's not usually just one shot from each person either. There might be several shots. You want to make sure that you don't only put them down, but that you kill them. Now, 
what in the world is the pastor talking about a gunfight for? I'm going to tell you why. Jesus has called us out. And one of us is going to die. And our death comes in repentance. And there is a crowd around us and they are watching what is happening because of our encounter with God when we have been called out. Jesus is calling us out. He called out disciples and he's, call, he's still calling people out. I remember the day I died. I remember the day I died. I came to an altar and I, I died in repentance because I believed that God was calling me to repentance. Do you remember that day? I believe that God called me to the waters of baptism. Do you remember that day? I believe God called my name and filled me with his spirit. I remember that day. Matter of fact, I remember the next day. This hot-headed Irishman, I had a terrible temper, a foul mouth, and I remember the day after I received the Holy Ghost, I was in a truck, and we had to nail this crate up so that it wouldn't tip over in the semi. And sure enough, I hit my thumb. You know what happens when you hit your thumb with a hammer. I remember what I said. Praise God. Now, the guy that was working with me that knew me so well, he'd been watching me. And when he heard me say, praise God, he said, what did you say? I said, praise God. I said, I don't even know why I said it, because normally that's not what I'd say. <laughs> but when you get called out, and when you get filled up, things change, and people are always watching. Now, the point I'm going to make to you abundantly clear today is, is that God is still calling people out. Still calling people out. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, Michael. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And then these shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So God comes to this one guy, whose name is Abram, later changed to Abraham, and says, I'm calling you out today. I'm calling you out from your family. I'm calling you out from the place that you live. I'm calling you out from your occupation. I'm calling you out. Well, can't I just serve God right where I am? Just, you know, can't this just be an addition to what I already have? Can't we just be reformed, so to speak? And he said, no, sir. He said, I'm calling you out. Come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you, the scripture says. He called Abram out. It's not easy. This is a parallel to what we read in the New Testament. He's being called out. And when the man answers that call is the day that a nation is born. Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. Why? Because he was called and he responded to the call. 
He was called out and he obeyed. Everything changes when you're called out. Let's take a look at another man. Exodus chapter 3, 2 through 5, Moses. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Do you know that you're standing on holy ground today? I can remember being in church services. I remember one time in particular the pastor said, we're standing on holy ground. Take your shoes off. The presence of the Lord is in this house. Take your shoes off. Let me tell you what I think happened that day. I think that Moses was going about his tasks, his everyday task of, of taking care of that sheepfold. I got a busy day today, God, but we'll walk together. And in his busyness, he looked off to the side, and it wasn't uncommon for a shepherd to see a bush on fire. There were little brush fires all the time in the desert. But the bush would be consumed, and that would be the end of the fire. But when he saw this particular bush that was on fire, the scripture said, he turned aside. Wait a minute, I know I got a busy day, but I've never seen a bush that was not consumed before. So I am going to turn aside and find out why this bush is not being consumed. And the scripture said, that Brother Michael just read, and when God saw that he turned aside, that's when God spoke. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? When you're going along in your busy life, and God begins to speak to you, will you turn aside or will you just keep right on moving? Because if you turn aside, God has something that he wants to say. And you know what he's gonna say? Moses, I'm calling you out. Now, Moses had all kinds of arguments. God, I think you've made a mistake. I don't speak well. I'm not eloquent of speech. You, you got the wrong guy. And God said, well, who made your mouth? All right, I'll let you have Aaron, your brother. But I'm still using you. I'm calling you out, Moses. You're not getting off that easy. Well, you know, they're not going to listen to me. Doesn't matter. You're just the messenger. You're the one that I've chosen. You're the one I'm calling out. And I want you to do this because I'm going to make you the deliverer of my people. And with one spoken word from God, a nation had its deliverer because Moses accepted the fact that he was being called out by God. And he led that nation out of Egypt and through a wilderness 
for 40 years, never thinking that he could be the guy. What are you doing here? Giving us a history lesson? No, I'm putting you into the message. God's calling you out today. Jesus is calling us out. And you've got excuses too. And you've got parents. And you own a ship. And you've got a job. And you've got a family. And you're not eloquent of speech. And you're concerned that people aren't going to listen to you. You don't have a college degree. And you don't have a theology certificate on your wall. And you say, nobody's going to listen to me. God takes the least and makes the most out of them. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons God chose me, because I ain't nothing. Guess who's going to get the glory when nothing does something? God's going to get the glory, because the nothing already knows he's nothing. Can I get an amen? amen? So if you're thinking, I'm a nothing, that's just the kind of person God needs. Because the people that are prideful, skillful, educated, well-versed, they would take the glory. But the nothings, they give God the glory back. I remember when God called me to the ministry. I was just a young kid. Matter of fact, I was 22 years old when I first even came to really know the Lord. Oh, I knew religion. But I didn't have a relationship with God until I was 22 years old. We just had our, our daughter and we were concerned about, you know, we, we need to get back in church and they need to get in Sunday school. And, you know, you grow up a little bit when it's, when it's more than just you and your wife. When you're starting to raise a family, you realize, hey, I, I'm responsible for this little child here. I have a responsibility to God for this little child. 22 years old, we started going to church. By, 20, by the time I was 24, I felt a call of God on my life. My pastor wouldn't let me go to Bible school. He said, no, your, your brother, he can go to Bible school, but you can't go. I don't understand why God does things the way he does things. I just gotta be honest with you. I guess this thing that I've been through with doctors recently where they're taking guesses all the time has disturbed me to the point that I say, I don't care what you think, I wanna know what you know, and if you don't know, tell me you don't know. And so I'm standing here today, and I'm just being totally honest with you, there's a lot I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why some people get sick and die and other people get a miracle, I don't know. I don't know why accidents happen. I don't know. But I'll tell you one thing I do know. I know that we can trust God. That he knows what's best and he's got a good reason for everything he does. And farther along, we'll know all about it. Farther along, we'll understand why. So cheer up my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. But I don't know right now. That's where trust comes in. I know Job didn't understand what was going on in his life. God didn't sit him down and say, hey, we're going to have a little contest between me and Satan. He didn't give me any of that information. But Job said, even if he slays me, I'll trust him. 
He didn't even have the Holy Ghost. He was being called out. He was being tested. And he brought God glory. Can I get an amen? So you don't have to understand everything. But we do need to trust God. Now here's another thing. It was Joshua and Caleb that said that they should go and take the promised land. Joshua was mentored by Moses. I got a three-year internship from Pastor Tamil instead of Bible school. Doesn't matter. Whatever God wants, just get ready for the call. Can I get an amen? Get ready for the call. You know, someday I'd really like to teach home Bible studies. Well, if you're afraid of people, get in front of a mirror and teach it to yourself. It's one way to gain a little bit of confidence. I told you I've already preached this message six times. This is the seventh time. I've been practicing all week. Get ready to do something for God. You know what Joshua did? He took an internship from Moses. 40 years, that's a long internship. Here it is now. Put yourself in Joshua's position. You're gonna see where I'm going here in just a minute. Put yourself in Joshua's position. Moses, the greatest leader that Israel ever had. How do you follow that up? I mean, Abraham, great father of a nation, Now you've got Moses, the greatest leader, the deliverer. Would you be a little bit intimidated on having to follow him up? Joshua, I think, was. Let's read about it here in Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Stop. What did it call Joshua? Moses' minister. In other words, Joshua was under the tutelage of Moses. Moses said, Joshua, I want you to fight this battle. Go fight this battle. Joshua, I want you to handle this. This is how you handle this situation. He was mentoring him. And Joshua looked at Moses and said, my job is to do whatever Moses tells me to do. Whatever I can do to lighten his load so that he can do what he has been called out to do, that's on me. Boy, oh boy, you talk about a servant's heart. That's a servant's heart. But that was his role. And that wasn't three years. That was 40. Okay, please continue saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. 
There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Please stop. Read it again, please. The part that begins was, as I was with Moses. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. There you go. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Thank you. Please continue. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Mm. Be not afraid, yes. neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So those of you that are afraid, God's speaking to you today. Three times he told Joshua in those verses, be strong and of good courage. I will not fail you nor forsake you. I was with Moses, now I'm with you. What's happening here? The mantle is being passed. What was on Moses is now on Joshua. That's how we deal with the problems of insecurity that we are concerned about for our future. There's going to be another leader. The mantle is going to be passed. God is going to be with them as he was with us. And he will not forsake us or leave us. So don't be afraid, but be strong and be of good courage. And if you were to continue to read this chapter, when Joshua addresses the people, do you know what they request of him? They say, well, we supported Moses, now we'll support you. But we ask one thing of you, Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. That's what people need in leadership. Not somebody that's mean, but somebody that's strong and somebody that's courageous and somebody that knows where their strength comes from. Somebody who knows that the source of their strength is not in their own abilities or their own talents. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And as I was with them before, I'll be with you now. We don't need to fear the future. We know who holds the future. And if one goes down, then God will raise another one up. God will raise another one up. Let me share this with you. I saw this in, in, in preaching. Those of you that are 50 years of age or older, please stand up. 50 or older. Notice I'm standing. These are the kind of people that this church has been built on. People that have made sacrifices. This church is 37 years old. People have made sacrifices. They've been faithful to the house of God. They've financially supported the work. 
They've been at work parties. They've encouraged. They've worked at the altars. They've done what was needed to be done to get us to where we are today. And I want to say, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your willingness to serve. Praise God. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, those of you that are under 50 years of age, please stand up. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out. I got to looking at my trustee board the other day, praying for my trustee board, Kevin and Joan Barningham. Jeremy and Amanda, I'm calling you out. I'm counting on you. Ben and Melissa, I'm calling you out. Calling you out. Brother and Sister Dredska, Jeff and Dre, I'm calling you out. Do I need to go on? I'm going to go on anyhow. Russ Cordell, you and your boys, Kyle. Call it Sam, Brianna, Jacob. God's got big things for you. I'm calling you out. I'm going down the line here. I'm just looking you in the eye. I, may, I don't have time to call every one of your names, but I'm looking at you. I'm calling you out. John, I'm calling you out. Craig, Matt and Heidi, calling you out, Andy. Joe, calling you and your family out. Let Beth and Luke know I called them out today. I'm calling you out. What kind of church is this going to be? Here's the answer right here. Here's the answer. Lisa and Aaron, Hemingway family, Katie, Kylie's, Missy, Annie. You didn't think I could remember all your names, did you? Be patient with the old man if he forgets. You know, it's hard to remember 300 people's names. I'm calling you out. Blattners, Vance, Tanya. You'll answer? Thank you. That's what I like. What a spirit. Paul, glad you guys are here. Lloyd, Danielle. Hey, Aaron. Lauren. Okay, I made my point. You can be seated. First Kings. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, 
Go back again for what I have done to thee. And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. So here's what happened. The great prophet, perhaps the greatest of all prophets, Elijah, the one that goes up in a chariot of fire, is walking along one day and God speaks to him and said, you see that boy over there? Elisha, take your coat off and throw it over his shoulders. He'll know what it means. So he took his coat off, he threw it over Elisha's shoulders and Elisha said, really? You're calling me out? God sent you? Listen, God uses people. We're waiting for angels and we're waiting for a, a voice from heaven and thunder and lightning. And God has given you messengers and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. And you don't pay any attention to them. Oh, that's just a guy. That's just a gal. No, it's not. It's somebody that God wants to use. And you don't, again, please understand this. You don't have to have all the answers right away. You just need to be willing to be mentored. And Elisha says, I'll take it. No hesitation. Can I kiss my mom and dad goodbye? Well, you you can do whatever you want to do, Elisha. I mean, I'm just the messenger. You do whatever you want to do with what I just showed you. And he said, okay, I'll tell you what. He didn't say it, but he thought it. You're an old guy. I'm going to kiss my mom and dad goodbye. I'm going to make this sacrifice, and then I'm going to run after you and catch up to you. I'll catch up to you. I'm fast and young. So he kisses his mom and dad. He kills his oxen and says, here, you guys, you guys can have the oxen. He doesn't sell anything. And he chases after Elijah. Because he recognizes that he's called out. And he becomes Elijah's minister. Can I get an amen? And he says, Elijah, you just tell me what I need to do to prepare myself for this calling. What an honor it is to be called. Do you know that? Six billion people in the world. Who are you? To know this message and to be called of God. Who are you to be in a church this morning where the word of God is being preached and you're being challenged and called out? Who are you? You're one that God loves and God has big plans for. And I don't know why he chose you and I don't know why he chose me, but I'm sure glad he did. And and like Tanya, I'm going to respond and say, here I am, Lord, use me. Here, here, take my life. And I'm not going to say, I don't say this boastfully. I say this as humbly as I can. But when I felt called of God and my pastor said, I'll put you on a three-year mentorship, I would have done anything for that man. He'd call me up and he'd say, Rick, I'm going to the hospital. Yes, sir. 
Rick, we got a work party on Saturday. Yes, sir. Rick, it's seven o'clock. I want you to lead the worship service. Yes, sir. See that guy over there? Go pray with him, Rick. Yes, sir. There's a Bible study on Tuesday nights needs to be taught. I want you to teach it. Yes, sir. Why are you doing that? Do you love Brother Tamil? Do you respect his position? Yes, but I'll tell you why I did it. I did it because I felt God called me and God gave me a man of God and whatever God said through the man of God, that was God and that was God's will for my life and if that's what God wanted me to do, then I was gonna raise my hand and say, yes, sir. You don't have to ask me twice. Pastor, tell me you're going to be in church Wednesday night. You're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night. You're going to be at prayer meetings. Yes, sir. See, you're never going to be even a good leader until you first become a great follower. People don't respect people that don't come through the ranks. They don't. All right, so he goes into this training program. I don't know how long it lasts, but here's the conclusion of it. Would you read Michael 2 Kings 2? And it came to pass, when they were gone over, that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Elijah says, What do you want? I know the time of my departure is not that far away. What can I do for you? You've been faithful to me. What, what would you ask of God? And Elisha says, I want twice what you've had. I want to be twice the man that you've been. I want twice the miracles that God has used you in. And Elijah takes a step back and says, you ask a hard thing. But I'll tell you what. If you see me when I leave, it shall be done. Do you understand what he was saying? If you remain faithful, 
If you stay at my side as you have throughout this whole process, when the time comes for me to go, it'll be as you've asked. And then he tested him. And he said, hey, I I got a short trip I got to make over here to this town. You stay here. I'll be back in a couple hours. And Elisha said, oh, no, you don't. You're going there. I'm going there. He came back a little later and said, now I need to go over to this town. You stay here. And he said, no, no, you don't. You're going there. I'm going there. He never left his side. He remained faithful. Here's what I'm saying. I am so glad for the years of faithfulness. You 50s and above, I am so glad. But I'm going to tell you something. You better finish this. You finish this race. You don't quit now. You've come too far to get offended or get your feelings hurt or or to be misled in some foolish doctrine. You've come too far. You finish what you've started. Finish what you've started. Finish strong. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Let it be said of you, I had, well, I have a daughter. My daughter's name is Cheryl. When we were, when she was real small, what did we call her? We called her the shadow. Because wherever daddy went, there was the shadow. Right behind him, following him wherever he went. I wish we had more of those days where our kids were on our heels. Now I realize they got to raise their own families and they got to have their own shadows. But it's always comforting to know that your family is close. They're always watching, always listening. The testimonies of your family are heard by your children. The miracles that take place as you and your wife are patriarchs and matriarchs of the home, Those kids are your shadows. But someday, the mantle needs to be put on their shoulders. And when that mantle was caught by Elisha, he tore his own clothes and he put on the mantle. And he came to that water and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And he took his mantle off and slapped the water like he'd seen done by his mentor. And Because now the anointing was on Elisha, there were people watching. They're always watching, folks. They're always watching. Slaps the water, the water comes up, Elisha walks through, and they bow down and say, as we listened to Elijah, now we're going to listen to you. Let me give you a message, you 20s, 30s, and 40s, from the 50s and beyond. We don't want you to be like us. We want you to be better than us. We want you to have twice the miracles, twice the growth, twice the blessings on your life. Don't just be satisfied for being like us. Be greater than us. Be greater than us. I'm a first-generation Pentecostal. I, I expect more out of my children. 
And to this point, they have not disappointed me. And you need to tell your kids how proud you are of them and how much you trust them. And I've already said it as the pastor, the senior pastor of this church, we're counting on you to take the mantle and take it further than we have taken it. Do not be equal and seek a double portion of God's spirit. Let's stand together. God's calling you out. You can't hide. Everybody here knows that God spoke to them today. And a greater than E.F. Hutton is here. They say when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. And a greater than John the Baptist is here. And a greater than Solomon is here. His name is Jesus. And he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's offered you an opportunity to follow him and become fishers of men. He's willing to give you mentors and teachers. And by the way, I'll give you one last story. Brother Robert Trapani was in my home for lunch one day, great man of God. And he said, Rick, how old did a man have to be before he could be a minister, a priest in Israel? I said, 30. He said, what happened to that man when he became 50? I said, I don't know, sir. He said he became a mentor to the 30s. His ministry changed. Everything that he'd learned in 20 years, he was now supposed to deposit in the 30s so that they would be greater than the previous generation. I'm in that category now. I'm trying to mentor as many ministers as I can and minister to as many people as I can and and put what I have in them, hoping that they'll be twice what I am. How about you? Do you feel the same way? Do you feel that because you're a little bit older that, that life has passed you by and you have nothing to offer? You are mistaken, sir. You are mistaken, ma'am. Those 20s, 30s, and 40s, they're looking to you. Don't look at them like, well, you're just a little kid. You don't know what you're doing. You don't have any potential. Or Who are you? I'd like to just haul off and slap you. I would. You forget when you were 20 years old? Do you know I was 27 years old when I started pastoring? Anybody here 27 today? Don't lie now. There's got to be somebody here 27. Twenty-seven. God wants to. Jesus, I pray today. Help us to blend. Help us to mesh together. Help us to work together to be what you want us to be. Let the wisdom of the elderly be imparted to the young. 
Let there be a mutual respect, not only for our elders, but a respect from the elders to the younger generation that says, we're counting on you. Whatever I can do to help you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.